Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. I'm your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories and give you a behind-the-scenes look at the life of a technology reporter. We'll learn about the person behind the byline and get their thoughts on the top trending stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. This is Christine Blake, and welcome to Inside the Media Minds. On today's show, we are talking to Mike Groose. Hello. Hello. Welcome uh, to the studio today. Thanks for coming out. Thank you. So Mike is the editor at C4ISR and the Fifth Domain. So we're going to learn a little bit more about Mike and what brought him here today and get a little bit more background on his story. Cool. Great. I'm also here with Evan, who's going to chime in with a few questions of his own. Hey, Mike. Good to see you. Great to see you. Cool, so let's go ahead and jump in. Um, let's start with some background on you. How did you get your start in journalism and um, kind of what, what brings you to uh, C4ISR and the Fifth Domain today? Um, okay, so I think uh, there's a professional answer and a personal answer okay. to that. So um, personally, uh, I've been a journalist for about 20 years. My wife is also a journalist, so um, in the family it's in the uh, yeah it's in the family <laughs> but that also means you know the majority of jobs these days are in are concentrated in uh, Washington DC or mm-hmm. New York City so if you, you want to be in journalism like this is where you live so cool. that's how I'm here and one of the big uh, one of the big markets for journalism is in the defense industry so that's that's what I'm doing so, so when you were in eighth grade, you dreamt of covering the defense industry? Right. <laughs> I, I, I was like, let's dream about a draft RFI right. and, and what that could look like. No, um, but back to the personal side, I did know I wanted to be a journalist for a very long time. Um, I really enjoyed writing. And, um, you know, this, it's, again, getting a little philosophical here, but this is like where the narrative you tell yourself about yourself Mm-hmm. kind of shift so um, about 10 years ago I was a columnist at a newspaper down in Norfolk Virginia called the Virginian pilot uh, right. mm-hmm. really great newspaper um, and I had a lot of fun and I got to basically write almost anything I wanted and it was kind of one of those dream jobs and I was like yes this is fulfills the path I've always been on because in high school um, the way I kind of got into journalism was I wrote a story once about there not being enough chairs in the cafeteria, <laughs> and <Hard> like <laughs> right, but it was just like a simple math problem. Like there's you know who knows 150 kids in this lunch period. There's 100 chairs. Like oh my god, how are we supposed to sit and do anything? And it was it became this kind of like big joke. And I was like, so then when I became a columnist, it was like yes, this is, these are the types of things I'm going to write about. Now at the same time, um, I've also kind of always been interested in computers. My dad had a Commodore VIC-20 when I was in like the early 80s. I was programming at a very young age. So the fact that like now I write about or edit and report on cybersecurity and um, military technology like in a way does not seem so surprising. Although if you would have asked me, you know, six or seven years ago, we'd be writing about Kind of fits. Yeah, right, right. So and it just, you know, this, like I said, the story you tell yourself kind of yeah, shifts. Yeah, I like that. Oh my gosh, I love that you wrote about chairs. That's hilarious. Yes. Uh, and like the hot cocoa not being hot. And <laughs> like, that's so, my yeah, yeah, those are the types of things I did in high school. Mm-hmm. That's cool. 
So let's talk about uh, the publications yeah. that you work for now. Not, not like the Walsh Jesuit pioneer. <laughs> but right, so um, I edit uh, two, two publications for Sightline Media. Um, the first is called C4ISRNet. It's a magazine that comes out 10 times a year. Mm-hmm. And um, we also have a website. Uh, we focus primarily, the, the, probably the quickest way to say it is we focus primarily on future battlefield technologies. Mm-hmm. So the way to think of that is any kind of, um, any kind of network tool that could be used in, in battle, and that could mean anything from, hey, the, um, the identity management piece here, the CAC card that the military uses to get uh, into a property, to uh, electronic warfare, to AI, uh, to autonomous vehicles or drones and how other networks that they're going to rely on. So all of that kind of falls under the um, C4ISRNet um, umbrella. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then Fifth Domain is a, a site that focuses on cyber news for government and defense professionals. So okay. um, the best way to think of that is is it's not necessarily consumer-oriented news, so we wouldn't do something like, mm-hmm. hey, Target lost your credit card. Right. But we would do something on, um, for example, there's a new leader at U.S. Cyber Command, or what are the types of mm-hmm. tools uh, that DHS wants to get to make sure that email isn't being hacked, and th- things like that. Sure. Okay. So, so you mentioned sightline sight media. Sure. And I should maybe, I should explain. Yeah. I was going to say maybe you could because it's obviously you're part of a broader portfolio. And right. Our listeners would want to hear more. About yeah. That. So yeah. sightline, um, we're just down the street from where you guys are here in Tyson's, but um, sightline is a multimedia company that um, also has several web properties, um, the Military Times brands, mm-hmm. which many folks are familiar with, you know, Army Times, Navy Times, Marine Corps Times, Air Force Times. Um, it also publishes Defense News, which is um, a sister publication mm-hmm. to C4S Arnett and Fifth Domain, and also Federal Times. Right. So a lot of those, mm-hmm. um, Fifth Domain ends up with a lot of the cyber news from those areas. Um, so this is such a very unique space. Right. What are some uh, challenges that you may have, uh, you know, editing and reporting in this in this area? Uh, sure. The biggest one is um, just a level of, of expertise and knowledge that if you like, look, even if you can figure out the name, uh-huh. like that's. That's a step, but that's sometimes a stumbling block for some people. Sure. And so, if you have to, you have to understand this area, and you have to get into it um, pretty deep to really, to really see where the tension is and where the good stories are. So it's not. Um, I don't want to say any beat is easy because it because it's not. You know, you can be. Um, you, you know, 20 years ago, I covered schools in rural Indiana, and it's like, was that an easy beat? No, it was. It was not. It was difficult, but you have to. It takes time to learn it. And here, um, covering C4ISR or any of these future battlefield technologies, you have to really get into mm-hmm. pretty deep to understand understand the issues, to understand who the characters are, to convince them that you're trustworthy and, and that um, they should talk to you. But then also, just like I said, to see where the tension is, and to see. And to know the context, because um, a lot of the programs we write about, they move so slow that right, yeah. 
um, you know, literally when I first started covering defense in, in 2013, some of those issues still have not been resolved. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the yeah. very same things people are still talking about, you know, five and a half, six years later. And um, so you have to know all these little turns of the screw, you have to know the context of them or else they appear like they're not actually a very big deal. Mm-hmm. And you have to be able to you have to be able to kind of build on that incremental knowledge. So that that's probably the biggest mm-hmm. challenge. The second challenge is just like, it's like it is anywhere, getting, getting folks to talk to you and wanting them to to trust you and say like yeah, yeah. But, and I mean this is a, it's a sensitive area definitely so what are what are your readers looking to to get you know out of your stories yeah um, I you there's this kind of cheesy phrase that I need to kind of get over which is just <laughs> business intelligence uh-huh. and I think that's I think yeah we have isn't it media for the intelligence yeah the military yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. but I think that and that's that's our mm-hmm. our our tagline, but mm-hmm. I think every story someone reads, and if they're a, a government professional or um, they work for a defense company, or even if they're part of what we kind of call the, sh- the shadow audience who's just generally interested in this topic, like they they want to learn something from it. And it, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times on the professional side, it's, oh, when will this new acquisition document come out? When will um, this new technology? available what does this strategy mean for our long-term business plan so then there there's kind of um, sometimes actionable intelligence that comes out of these stories that okay. they can help make business decisions on but on the other hand there's just you want you want to have just really what's a good story and make make keeps people coming back mm-hmm. and that they find something interesting about it because you know you look at what some of the intelligence agencies are doing or what DARPA is doing, and they're, they're, it's pretty fascinating. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it is. It's cool, and it's fascinating. And, you know, a lot of what the military does ends up uh, trickling down into commercial culture. And, yeah. and so it's, um, it, it kind of lead, it's, it's, it kind of leads to what the future might look like. Mm-hmm. So you used to write for um, Space News. Right. So you have an extensive background on space, which is cool. Right. Um, we hear a lot about that being kind of another, uh, the next frontier. So what do you, um, how do you describe the nature of threat in that domain? Um, I would probably just, like, probably very differently than the folks who actually know, like, the actual Air Force <laughs> folks who can see the threats firsthand. Um, here's... The, the joke I, I – and I, I should say first, we still cover um, a lot of the space issues sure. at um, C4ISRNet. Yeah. Um, but what I would say generally is um, there is a threat. And, and what does it look like? You know, it's hard for me, who's a reporter on the outside, to get a good idea of that. The joke I always made at Space News was reporting on space is a lot like reporting on religion, that um, – Someone says, well, there's something up there, and it's doing good, <laughs> and just trust us that everything will work out. It's all going to be okay. And you're like, okay, and that there's something to that. But on the other hand, I do like, is the threat real? Like, yes, and I think mm-hmm. you can see by some of the um, – there were two recent reports in the last, I don't know, two months that kind of used public source documents to explain – um, the potential threats from the Russian and the Chinese um, to satellites, uh, 
to the operating environment. And I think it, you know, I think they both create a pretty compelling case of what's happening. Now, if it means um, will there be lasers and will things go boom and will satellites, you know, speed into each other, you know, I don't, I don't think it necessarily looks like that, but that's just because I think um, that's kind of what we're conditioned to think of from watching Star Wars or whatever your favorite science fiction movie is. But I think there is a conflict going on there. It's just, it's maybe a little more nuanced. And I think um, the simplest way to think about it is the U.S. gains its advantage in war from space um, because it has the the most information. It, it gains a lot of information from the satellites and other payloads it has up there. If those um, tools are not at, at its disposal, then maybe they don't have that advantage anymore. And so uh, adversaries or enemies are looking to take away that advantage. And so anything they can do um, is, is probably on the table. And that might not mean, like I said, you know, firing a missile into a satellite, but it might mean trying to jam it or um, maybe pushing it out of the way or something. You know, who knows? There's, but there's a series of technologies there that interesting technology and I know you mentioned like AI and a few other areas what else are you seeing as big uh, topics and coverage areas right now um, AI is definitely one mm-hmm. um, I feel like it's gotten to the point where when we talk to reporters about it we just say like well like what exactly is AI like what how are they using it what does it uh-huh. look like you know is ways AI you know what is some people app. right yeah. right is um, is someone uh, you know someone counting counting cars on satellite images like is that AI like yes but okay what's another example of that how are you teaching AI um, so I just think there's a you know recently read that the Pentagon has something like 600 AI programs underway and they're all in varying degrees but. You know, that's a huge topic for us. We write about com- yeah, command and control, um, the new, the what the Army's next tactical network will look like. Electronic warfare is big for us um, as jamming uh, is is a big issue, especially against um, in places like we just saw in Syria and, and Russia. Um, the unmanned world is just... There's so many good stories right there, and that can mean everything from we have a story up on our site today that uh, I think has the word maggots in the headlines because there are um, robots that are about that big that are moving around. Really? Yeah, I mean, it's I nuts. From to, <laughs> to, like, to drone swarms that can be grabbed That's out crazy. of the air to, you know, um, autonomous subs. So, I mean, it's just yeah. that world is, is ripe for great, great stories. And yeah. so I think those are all things we're spending a lot of time on. And, you know, it, but, but with those stories, are you looking to talk about the technology or are you looking for use cases now? I think are both. Point, are we at the point now? Yeah, I think we've heard the buzz so much and right. say, okay, you keep talking about this, now give me some use cases. Right, and I think there's a sweet spot there trying to find those applications, which is, um, hey, we want, we, want this, we, want a sto- we want a story that draws readers in. So that could be 
here's what the technology looks like. But we also want a story that shows the practical applications. Like, hey, we'd all like, um, you know, we'd all like jetpacks. You know, all right, and jetpacks are things that are kind of tangentially discussed every once in a while. And everyone likes weirdly, them, right? Jetpacks, <laughs> but. Um, Okay, but where where does where does it cross into the line of reality? Like, wh- how much is DoD investing in it? When is the next program going to come out? Where when does it follow like that formal, maybe a little more rigid acquisition schedule? And so that's when it gets, that's when it gets stuff. We want we want both. We don't mm-hmm. we want to be skeptical, but we want to be. We also want our readers to be um, entertained, I guess. Yeah. And to so know, you, mentioned, you mentioned acquisition. Yeah, which is a tough. It's a tough term. Right. But I mean, I think that, do you not think that that's a hindrance within government these days in terms of acquiring some of these technologies, that, that they, the process, the acquisition cycle moves so slow right. that, you know, by the time they get these technologies, the next iteration of these things yeah. is already out. I mean, how, how can government move faster? I mean, or is this just, you know? I, mean, I don't, you know, it's hard to know from where I sit. Yeah. Um, I think the answer everyone says all the time, and I just wrote a comment about this, is, is culture. Everyone says, oh, the culture has to change, and that there's um, there's no incentive for middle management, in essence, to change the way they're, they're doing business. That you have industry leaders say they want to go faster, you have um, DOD senior leaders say they want to go faster, and maybe you have folks who are just coming up who have grown up with a smartphone their entire adult life or teenage life, and they say, like, well, wait a minute, why do I have to use this thing when I can just go home and do it so much faster? So I think there is a conflict there, but I think there's um, the way, the thing I I just described in my column on this topic was, you know, if DOD is really interested in disruption, disruption means making people unhappy, and someone's going to have to be unhappy. And it's either going to be industry and senior leaders, or it's going to have to be middle managers, or it's going to be the people who are just coming up. But they have to pick who they want to ma- make unhappy and, and follow a path to the. Sure. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. It's hard because I'm not, I'm not buying and acquiring these things. I'm not hearing the, the back and forth. But sure. that's kind of when you attend the breakfasts and everything else. That's right, kind of right. what you pick up on. Yeah. And we've talked back in your sure. news days about commercial being part of the solution. Oh, well, sure. Certainly, ComSatCom and things of that nature. Yeah, I think in every... Commercial innovation and involved. I, and I don't think that's unique to space. I think right. we see it across um, across the Defense Department that there is a desire to use more commercial products. It's, you know, how do you do that? And then I think there's a lot of companies that are maybe, I don't want to say confused, but maybe questioning, well, well, wait a minute, do you want a commercial solution or do you want something that's built exclusively for you so you can use it in the best way possible? And they just don't, I I think there's probably some questions about messaging there. Sure. But, yeah, I think, I mean, acquisition is, it's tough to write about, and it's one of those things I think people's eyes maybe sometimes glaze over and you're like, oh, well, what are you writing about? And it's like, well, this is really important about acquisition. Yeah. But you know what? I think the, the way I phrase it is um, it's a lot of money. All of this stuff mm-hmm. is a lot of money. So um, there is a desire to get it right and to make sure that folks are, are doing it right. That, sure. You know, it's... Um, 
almost every day in the contracts. It's like, oh, here's a $65 million award, or here's $100 million. And you're like, $100 million? Like, and you guys can see it in any city hall across the country. If someone votes to spend $100 million, yeah. that's a tremendous amount of money. So uh, that's, I think that's how, to me, that's how you drive home the importance of acquisition is this right. is our money. And right. it's, it's, as taxpayers, and you want to make sure it's being spent wisely. Mm-hmm. No, that makes sense. Agreed. So when you're um, talking to resources for your articles, you know, what types of insights are you looking for? Anything you're short of? Um, yeah, so the thing, and you guys have heard me say this sometimes, but, I, you know, I ask, um, I ask folks from industry a lot um, what they're hearing from the Pentagon or from the Defense Department because mm-hmm. what we hear as reporters and what we're told as reporters is often different from what we hear from industry, and industry hears something different. So... Um, to me, it's it's trying to learn as much as I can about what what's happening at the yeah. Pentagon, um, and then the second thing that I'm that I've asked almost everyone I ever talked to is, you know, what should I be w- looking for in the next six to twelve months? Yeah. Because um, I want to know w- what those decision points are and where that where that tension is. And, and my thinking has been, if you can't. Um, like status quo is not news, but when you have to make a decision, something has to change, and that's that's where you get that tension, and someone has to choose one path or the other. So that's that's where there's uh, an opportunity for a, a conflict with a lowercase C, and so that's that's where I think you can get some good stories and explaining the thinking behind choices. But that's easier to talk yeah. about now than it is to always execute in the story. Makes sense, and then. You mentioned what to look for in the next six to 12 months. This is something that we like to ask everyone we talk to. Sure. What do you think um, are going to be some of the biggest stories in the next six to 12 months? <laughs> sure. In the, in the rest of the year? Um, the one that comes, this is uh, only tangentially really, the one that comes to mind right now, just as I was driving through Northern Virginia this morning, is <laughs> what does Amazon HQ2 mean? Oh, yeah if it comes here and what does it mean for the federal government and what does it mean for the federal workforce and um, I just that's one I that literally I just thought of this morning but I, I just don't know I just don't think people have really understood what the, the consequences would be of 50,000 yeah. more high paying jobs and how that would just um, I think this use, word is overused but kind of disrupt uh-huh. So many economies yeah. here, um, but f- that's a little bit outside of uh, our our wheelhouse for the two places. Um, no, but that's still a really interesting yeah, it's kind a, of that, kind yeah, of and so I I I think we have more know, traffic around here. That's <laughs> obvious, but, you know. and the you know the uh, no, speaking of Amazon though the the cloud contracts that are coming up those are going to be a huge deal and uh-huh. there's so many billions of dollars. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of curiosity about um, just how the new national defense strategy and all these new planning documents that have come out through the Trump administration, sure. what that, how what this shift kind of means um, throughout the Pentagon. And then when you see, um, you know, the, the very state of warfare is kind of changing. Mm-hmm. 
that you know, we, you know are we at war in space well no probably not but there's certainly conflicts there's this whole idea of the gray zone where something is um, a conflict but not quite mm-hmm. all out uh, what we would think of as traditional war and I think that's there's all sorts of cases of that were going on right now and, and I think that's something to really watch and decide when folks say like hey where do I have to draw a, a red line and say that this is not going to be okay um, I think that's really interesting um, and I just I, I think as we talked about earlier AI and how that mo- sure. how that moves into reality and how you know are we going to have car you know is everyone in the DOD gonna have a car that maybe drives itself probably <laughs> not but you know what does yeah uh, how are things change you know there's a there's a lot lo- in fast mm-hmm. in fast mm-hmm. so um and you know the the story that's not going away at all is also security I mean the mm-hmm. IOT security um story I think is really just um only been touched on a little bit uh, from a from a consumer level but I think on a DOD level, it's it's gonna really hit home, and um, there's you know everything. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah, yeah it's, there's so much. Right, insider threat. threat. All those things are being threat. talked about, but I think it's just gonna become more and more explicit. And then finally, you know, everything now generates data. Everything, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, from from folks, their their typing patterns their gait and how they mm-hmm. walk those are two that just always blow my mind and it's like wait a minute how i type on a keyboard generates data and it's, it does it creates a, a, a fingerprint a signature yep. so i think when i think all of that data and how do we integrate it and how can folks um use that and what are the ethics behind using that and um you know i was talking with someone the other day and they were saying like oh well if you have an rfid chip on your keychain and like all of a sudden someone could know you're in a part of the building you're not <laughs> supposed to be in and it's yeah. you know it's that happens That's very crazy. fast and um mm-hmm. just raises a lot of brings up a lot of privacy uh, issues yeah and all kinds of new things so. and privacy means a different thing to the defense department intelligence agencies than it does mm-hmm. to a consumer yeah. you know so um the risks there and how everyone weighs that that those are real questions mm-hmm. definitely and um, before we wrap up, Mike, I just want to talk about the C4ISR conference. Yes. Um, Thank that you. That was what, last week? It was last Thursday. Exactly. Oh, and I, um. It was a lot of fun. Um, we had some great military and intelligence uh-huh. leaders. Um, you know, asking, you know, trying to answer, I think, some of these same questions we've talked about. I thought um, one of the most interesting items to come out of it was we had a, a senior leader from the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency there and someone raised their hand and said you know how do you convince people in Silicon Valley to buy into what you're doing and not follow their own path or projects and they it was just I, I think that's a, a real question that you know, I, for so long, people have said, well, because it's your duty and it's patriotism, and of course you want to help DOD. And I think there's a, um, a mindset that, that, well, wait a minute, let's question whether or not that's exactly how we want our technology used. And you're seeing that happen right now a little bit with Google and Project Maven. And um, I think that's going to be a real challenge going forward. And, you know, so the fact that we get to talk about questions like that at our conference, mm-hmm. I thought was really outstanding. How many attendees do you have? Today? We had about two hundred. Okay, that's good. Yeah, 
and uh, I think about five panels, three keynotes. Um, That's good great. time. Mm -hmm. Any other events or things coming down your awards program? Anything else our listeners should be aware of? Um, I'll tell you. So from the fifth domain perspective, we're starting uh, to plan our our si annual CyberCon conference. That'll okay. be, I believe, in November. Um, so that's that's on the horizon, Great. and um, I would just say stay tuned to the websites. We always got uh, a lot going, a lot of good, a lot of good work, a lot of good sure. journalism. Great. Well, thanks so much, Mike, for coming in and sharing a lot of your insights. It was great to learn more about you great. and what you have going on. Thanks so much. Absolutely.